Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this one is going to be a doozy. I need to set this up appropriately and give you some appropriate background here, and then I will dive in. First of all, directly related to this, go over to the American Classroom Substack, and I have written a Substack that I published on Saturday morning that is titled The Collapse of the K-12 Matrix a current school board example of education's financial collapse and the unhinged public response. I recommend reading that first, or at the very least, again, downloading the Substack app and having the female robot read it back to you. Uh, It's about a 10-minute listen if you have the female Substack robot read it to you. But in any case, what I lay out here is, in my opinion, remarkably important. And this is a good thing. In fact, this whole episode is is a good is a good thing. This is a positive. This is a giant positive. In fact, it's it's even bigger than that, in my professional opinion and personal opinion. What you are going to hear in this episode from citizens in the town where I live regarding the actions of the school board as a result of them trying to cut costs and uh, and manage their money even though they do it incorrectly all of the time with all of their degenerate programs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, What you're going to hear is you're going to visibly or, yeah, you'll verbally hear, rather, the, uh, the complete breakdown of the matrix slipping through their fingers, the very slavery system that has been developed throughout the world in particular with the American K-12 school system as we know it, the brick-and-mortar school system anyway, the government-run brainwashing program that it is. It's breaking down, and when that breaks down and slowly starts to slip away out of the grasp of the people who are dependent on that matrix, you will quite literally hear, I think, what is inevitable, which is the complete mental and emotional breakdown of the individuals again as as the matrix around them that again they falsely believe they are dependent on just crumbles again what, what i'm i'm having a hard time here describing it but i lay it out clearer i think in the substack it, it is in my opinion inevitable that there are visible things of course and I'm not alone in this regard, but there are visible things that we will be able to see and hear and feel with our own intuition when the matrix slips away from people. And when the matrix again starts to crack and it starts to break, people will have emotional reactions. Let me give you one one quick example. And everybody knows this example, and I mean everybody knows. You'll know exactly the person I'm talking about. I don't know this woman's name, but we know who this person is because we've seen it a million times. I'm referring to the woman wearing the glasses, the stocking cap, and the neon yellow vest, dropping to her knees, if she wasn't already on her knees, outside of the Capitol building when Donald Trump was giving his inauguration speech in 2016 and he was inaugurated. She, of course, is on her knees, and she looks up into the sky, and she screams no at the top of her lungs. 
you know that person. Again, I don't know her name. She will forever be <laughs> she'll ever she'll forever be a meme as as long as time. Uh th- there's no escaping it. I don't know if she's still alive like I said. I I I don't know, but she does know she's a meme and she knows that she's a meme forever. And uh, what would be even funnier is if she came around and did a total 180 and realized that she was wrong. That would be awesome because I actually think she would be a multimillionaire if, uh, if, if she actually learned the error of her ways. In any case, you're not going to hear that dramatic of a scream in this school board meeting that I'm going to play for you in the local area where I live and in the town where I live. But you're going to hear that happen because when Donald Trump was inaugurated president and you heard that woman shriek at the top of her lungs, that's the matrix breaking for her. Again, the matrix that she's dependent on is cracking. What you're going to hear in this is the exact same kind of thing. And this is important for a variety of reasons. It's important because the matrix has to break. It has to be destroyed. The American K-12 school system needs to cease to exist, period. We are watching technical schools be taken over. We're watching private schools be taken over with the transgender, gay, LGBT, Kazarian Mafia ideology. All of that is happening, and it's been happening for quite some time, although at a slower pace than the public school apparatus. But in any case, the public schools again, in my opinion, in the future will cease to exist, and this right here is the beginning of the dam breaking. It's a beautiful thing. So let me set this up again very quickly without reading the substack. Just to give a little background. There was a tax levy in this town that was on the ballot for the school that failed miserably. 3,000 or so, 3,100 and change, people voted for it, and over 6,100 and change voted against it. It did not pass, and thank God for it. The people in this town got angry, they got mad, they know who the enemy is, and they made sure to not give the school what they wanted, which was beautiful. It's run by queers, queers work there, All their degeneracy exists there. They support it. That's the way that it is. And again, people who who attend are are brainwashed into believing that they have to tolerate all of this. This is a massive problem. This is also not unique to just this area. And that's the major point that I want to bring home here. Everything that you're going to hear in this audio is not unique to just where I live. This is going on all over the United States, if not the world in the UK and other places. The matrix is cracking. So again, more on the background. One of the money-saving decisions that the school board decided to make that they believe is going to save money, certainly in the immediate future, is that in the next school year, the three elementary schools, instead of all three elementary schools being K through five, the three elementary schools will now be divided up by grade. So one elementary school, and they are, by the way, a distance apart, these three schools, and quite a distance apart. I want to say 
at least 25 minutes apart from the furthest to the, you know, to the furthest away. And then there's one elementary school right in the middle between those two elementary schools. So they're going to turn both, all three elementary schools rather, into uh, differing grades. One of the schools will be pre-K through first grade, if I'm not mistaken. Another one will be second grade and third grade, and then another one will be fourth grade and fifth grade. Which means, of course, all of the teachers are going to have to change grades, change buildings. You're disrupting their matrix and their pattern of behavior, which, as we know, American K-12 school teachers and the entire system are so habit-prone that they hate it when you disrupt their habit because what you're really doing is disrupting the matrix. That's what's happening. They're actually disrupting the matrix of the brainwashing and yet they don't even know it. They're breaking their own system, and they don't even know it. That, that only leads in one positive direction, which is more people leaving, more people waking up, and, and more people recognizing that they've had it wrong their whole lives regarding a thousand things. Now I'm going to get to the audio. Here's what you're going to hear. Well, there's another thing too, which is this. That disrupts, of course, the entire busing schedule, as you would expect. Kind of goes without saying, but I mentioned that briefly in the Substack also. What you're going to hear in this audio, and I'm going to play the entire public comments section. First of all, if you watch the video, what you will see is is when the public comments section is announced, people start to get up and run for the microphone. This has never happened before. Most people in the room, and this is it's not a packed house, but there's enough people in the room, I suppose. They all stand up, the ones who want to say something, at the exact same time, and they go for the microphone. Normally in the past, they would all sit down and just take their turns, but they want to make sure and get in what they want to get in. Here's what you're going to hear in summary. You're going to hear every single person who speaks at the microphone defend the matrix because they're stuck in it. They need the matrix. And from the movie The Matrix, we know that there are people who are not ready to wake up. They will literally fight, claw, scratch, and scream to maintain the very brainwashing system that they are a victim of. And yet, of course, it's such a strong system that they don't even know that they are a victim of it. That both they, their spouses, their children are all victims of it. As all of this is happening, there is only one person who goes after the school board for their mismanagement of money, and it's the male voice that you'll hear toward the beginning of this. He's a, he's a regular fixture of these school board meetings. You've probably heard his voice before. I've played it, I believe, on the show before. I refer to him as Money Mike. He's an older gentleman, lives out in the country, and he, I mean, he knows what he's talking about, and he holds the board members' feet to the fire. Because the little things don't concern him, it's the larger picture that concerns him. However, every other person who speaks is quite literally yelling at the school board to not make this move. Everybody, ladies and gentlemen, who speaks is a leftist, except for the older gentleman. Every person who speaks at the microphone is a staunch leftist. Everybody who is on the board is a leftist. It's, it's incredible. So 
That literally means that the liberal snake is eating its own tail. They are feeding one another to each other and blowing up their own system without us having to do a whole lot. We just get to sit back and watch the whole thing crumble. Now, as I lay out in the substack, there's even more that goes on. Some of the employees were rifted. They were basically told, hey, look, we, we can't make a decision on hiring you now, so we're basically putting you in the on-deck circle. We might have to fire you, but if we don't and we end up figuring out that we have enough money to bring you back, then we will, but there's no guarantee. There's that. You have people resigning, you have people retiring, and you have people quitting because they just want nothing to do with it. Whether, again, some of them are forced resignations or they're just saying, forget this, I'm out of here. All of those different options are occurring. But the other thing that occurred, too, at the end of the public comment section, which was the latter portion of the entire meeting, was that the superintendent and the treasurer were given contract extensions. Both of them. They're both terrible. They both work hand in hand with one another. And they were both given contract extensions. They, of course, bought into all of the lies over the last three plus years. They are responsible for bringing in all of the degeneracy. The superintendent is flamboyantly gay. That's not an accident. Not an accident that a school district would have massive degeneracy problems and your superintendent and many of the board members align with the superintendent's degeneracy. I mean, that's, those dots are so close together, you don't even have to connect them. So all of that's taking place also. They didn't take a pay cut in any form or fashion whatsoever. They didn't readjust the insurance numbers. They didn't do any of that. And, and the superintendent is having all of that paid for him. His in, all of his insurance is completely covered. He pays none out of pocket. None. Zero. He gets massive amounts of money like $400 a month for his automobile. His cell phone is paid for, along with all the other district officials and school board members, etc., etc. The amount of money that's being wasted by all of them, they're actually not cutting, they're keeping it. And then when you hear one of the board members toward the end, which you're not going to hear in this public comment section, but she openly states and tries to justify that because the superintendent is not receiving a pay raise, He's basically receiving a pay cut as a result. Because according to her, in most situations, a superintendent would receive a pay raise in these kinds of situations where a contract would be renewed, but he's not. Therefore, it's basically just like a pay cut, which is asinine. He should take a pay cut, so should the treasurer. They even paid the treasurer, allegedly, $20,000 as a bonus for showing up every single day last year and not missing a single day so they paid her 20 grand for doing her own job and doing what she was contractually obligated to do and being paid to do anyway you see how dumb these people are and how criminally minded they are now what you're going to hear and I'm going to play this audio is every single person who speaks at the microphone I'm going to play them in chronological order and after each person's speech I'm going to just jump in and provide a couple of comments about what they said. Are you ready for this? I'm telling you what. I watched this live, and it blew me away, because all I thought of was the Matrix. The Matrix is breaking, and they are desperately trying to hold on to it. And it's slipping through their fingers, and there's not a 
goddamn thing they can do about it, and I love it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. This is an excellent, excellent thing that's taking place, and it's mathematically impossible that this is the only place where this is happening. This is happening everywhere. They're becoming insolvent. In fact, you talk about word recognition, pattern recognition, qualitative reasoning and analysis, and themes and codes. The school board is openly talking more frequently about what will happen when the state takes over their district. Think about that. They're openly admitting that there is a possibility that the state will come in and take over. That means, by default, they will all lose their positions as school board members. The superintendent will be fired. The treasurer, gone. The state takes over totally. They don't leave some people in. They might try to fix who's there and fix the way that they're doing things, but if it's being done so poorly that the state determines that they have to go, then they have to go. But they're openly talking about this now as an option, which by openly talking about it is waking people up to the fact that that has always been an option, and that's what happens in American K-12 schools when they become insolvent. Now here's the audio. I promise no more further delays. I've talked long enough. Here we go. I'm going to bust in after each one. There are a number of these. It may get a little redundant. It may get a little exhausting, but it's worth it. Trust me. In three, two, one, this is the first person. Uh, Thank you. My name is Ted Cadill. I am a resident of Oxford Township, and I'm also the vice president of the Talawanda Education Association. A few weeks ago, the Talawanda Education Association met in a general membership meeting to discuss the grade banding issue. At that time, over 95% of TEA members voted in favor of the following resolution, which I would like to read to you now. The Talawanda Educators Association acknowledges that difficult decisions must be made for long-term financial stability. Actions must be tempered with prudence and stakeholder engagement. Decisions that will have long-term impact on the academic and community life of the district must be considered from all angles, not purely only a financial one. To that end, TEA resolves that, one, neighborhood schools have value. Students build their first communities in these schools. An integrated experience from kindergarten to fifth grade where families in the school become connected, creates trusted partners for families and a secure presence in a student's life. Research shows that transitions from school building to school building, even as part of routine grade level promotion, can result in medium term negative academic impacts. Talawanda is a very large district geographically with several unique communities. Neighborhood schools add cohesion to these communities. Second, difficult decisions require engagement from all stakeholders. TEA is willing to explore and examine all options that will allow the district to function and support all learners. But while ending neighborhood schools may be a financial option for the district, it should first be examined and considered by a broad range of stakeholders. TEA encourages the district leadership to establish community forums with families, PTGs, general community members and district staff to explore both what is best for the district and how any changes can benefit everyone. 
A change to grade level school bans is a massive undertaking and would require many months of careful planning by administration, staff, and families. A change for this fall cannot be considered carefully. And finally, there is time to plan and implement modified reductions. The superintendent proposes to reduce the athletic fees for next year by half compared to the initial plan. This can still be accomplished without bending the schools via transportation savings, attrition, and strategic transfers to fill vacancies. Therefore, the Talawanda Educators Association calls on the Talawanda Board of Education to consider carefully any changes to the district's current arrangements seconds, and to engage the wider community before implementing any long-term and permanent changes to the district. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bernier. Okay. I meant to mention this first, and it just hit me listening to that and it went. So let, let, me, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me get to this. I want you to consistently think, if I didn't say it earlier, I may have, but I want you to consistently think of the homeschooling family. The homeschooling family is watching and listening to all of this, and they're laughing their tails off. They're laughing because every single person, like I said, who comes up to the microphone, just like this guy, who's the president or vice president of the Education Association, the local one, that their solution is more government. Their solution is more communication among all people in the quote-unquote community. Ladies and gentlemen, they can't fix this. This is, you can't fix this. It's collapsing. It's beautiful. But again, you're hearing him say, well, we can cut money over here instead of doing this, and we don't have to do this, and blah, blah, blah. You're going to hear a lot of that among a lot of these different people and the excuses that they create as to why they can't do this or why they can't do that, just like the excuse that he brought up where he said, research shows that that line right there, by the way, is the kiss of death. When somebody says research shows without actually referencing many, many articles that say so, he has no proof that when you have children moving from building to building, that it somehow jacks up their frame of mind, that it makes them mentally and emotionally unstable or whatever. They're only mentally and emotionally unstable children because they have mentally and emotionally unstable parents and mentally and emotionally unstable teachers. That's it. Strong children have strong parents. Strong students have strong teachers. But if everybody's Gumby, then the child is pudding. And that's just the way that it is. They have no backbone. They have no frame of mind. They have no strength. They have no honor. They have nothing. Morals, values, it's all gone. But this guy would lead you to believe that schools all being enclosed together, tighter, inside of a giant fence, you know, like M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, that everybody's going to be 100% safer and better in that way, and the answer is no. Everybody's going to be more brainwashed when that's the case. When you separate people and students, they become literally the thing that they all clamor for, which is diversity. They become more mentally and emotionally diverse. But families do that anyway. But see, they are afraid of any of that. They're afraid of any rocking of the boat because the matrix is cracking 
and leaking, and they have no idea how to fix it. Here's the next person. Hi, I'm Emily Moore. I live in the city of Oxford, and I have two children in the Talawanda district, one at the middle school and one in fourth grade at Kramer. Thank you for your time and public service to our district and community. I'm coming before the board today having worked in early childhood mental health in the education sector for over six years and having previously spent over 10 years working with children in the foster care system. Throughout my professional training and career, I have learned how crucial relationship building is for children's resilience, growth, and learning. While caregivers ideally are the child's primary source of attachment and bonding, the school environment provides a vital function in promoting the child's identity and self-esteem. This is especially important for vulnerable children who may have had instability in their home lives or who struggle with mental health or developmental needs. My children have had the amazing experience of spending all of their elementary years at Kramer. As a family, we've gotten to know the incredible teachers and staff within the school and it has been a place of safety, familiarity, and joy for us. Their educational experience has extended beyond academics and has, it has been the people who have made the biggest impact. My children have formed lasting friendships with peers they've known since kindergarten, and we have developed friendships with fellow parents through school activities and events. They have loved being able to greet past teachers every morning at arrival, and that's their little cheerleading squad. I know plenty of families at Bogan and Marshall who feel the same way. We have incredible elementary schools. The grade level banding as it is proposed is one that concerns me greatly. While my children would not see a change in their school assignments, with this particular proposal, I know that there would still be ripple effects that would ultimately impact them. I believe strongly in advocating what is best for the community as a whole. <coughs> Having children transition every two years into a new building will impede their ability to form meaningful relationships with teachers and building staff, including with the principal, individual aides, office staff, and others who provide consistency and familiarity as children matriculate. Transitions are certainly a normal part of growth and development. However, it is well known that children with mental health needs, learning differences, limited or inconsistent parental support, or a history of traumatic experiences, also known as ACEs or adverse childhood experiences, struggle more with transitions, and that frequent transitions may lead to difficulties with learning. Additionally, these same children typically take a longer time to form relationships due to the barriers that they have faced as a result of their life circumstances. While I'm happy to cite specific sources to the board, it could be agreed that this is somewhat common knowledge. School counselors and school work, or social workers are some of the staff who have historically provided resources, coping strategies, and skill sets for children who needed help with transitions. Given that we are removing them from our elementary schools, it is important that we still have other caring, consistent adults in place of social-emotional resources. Moving children every two years will inhibit this consistency. I'm asking the board to not consider grade level banding at this time as it is being proposed because young children deserve to have familiar people in their Second. lives. Thank you for your time. Thank you. See what I mean? You see what I mean? That person again, right there, reiterated what the first person already said regarding changing buildings, and that's going to disrupt the mental and emotional frame of mind of these children. And her example, of course, was let's roll out the retards and use them as an example as to why we shouldn't do this. This is all about mentally and emotionally damaged children or special education children because the, uh, the school system says that they're special ed when many of them are not. And then she uses, of course, the excuse of relationship building. They will not be able to build firm relationships if they're moving buildings every single year. You've heard me beat this horse to death. 
and then just stand on top of it and just wail time and time again. Building relationships is not why children go to school. And if you're sending children to go to school to build relationships, you're sending them for the wrong reason. That's not why. They are only there for one reason, to learn factually accurate information from competent, strong-willed people. Period. And then combine that with what they're seeing in society. And if they don't match up, something is wrong. Somebody's not doing their job. They are not there for relationship building. That's not it. Never has been, should never be. That's not what it is. But you're watching these people because now in their moment of desperation, and it quite literally is because the matrix is slipping, and as I said, this is a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful thing. As their matrix slips, their emotions are coming to the surface and boiling over, and you're seeing them for who they really are. You're seeing them grasp at the only thing that they believe in. And they're saying it on the internet with a mic in front of their phones, and these people who are speaking in these meetings have never spoken these meetings before. Never. There's maybe only three people in this entire line of people that have spoken at this board meeting before. It's, it's incredible. And she, of course, calls the relationship building and this being detrimental to relationship building. She brings that as, as being common sense. Well, I have references, but I, I just, you know, whatever. I, I think that it's just common sense. It's furthest from. It has nothing to do with it. So what? Oh, you lose a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, you lose friends in the same building. When you're, when you're in the same building for three straight years in middle school or high school. Because you have different classes. And as soon as you have different classes, well, then that's it. Which means, is it really a friendship? No, it's not. It's convenience by proximity. <laughs> it's, an, it's an acquaintance. It's an acquaintanceship brought on by a societal accident called proximity. That's it. But again, the matrix is cracking. Here's the next person. Hi. 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 My name is Jessica Stoiko. Um, I don't have a speech prepared today, but um, I did uh, feel compelled to come here and say that uh, as somebody that is speaking as a representative for, for low-income communities in Oxford, um, I can tell you that regardless of grade banding, obviously you You've already mentioned the logistical uh, issues with uh, kids getting to school as some parents don't even have a vehicle. And I just wanted to make the community aware as well that uh, at least three, probably uh, even more uh, clusters of low-income communities will be affected if the two-mile radius plan goes into effect. And um, being that, uh, according to the recent report card for the Talawanda School District, that over 26% of our students are economically disadvantaged, we really do need to get a handle on that. And I realize that we're looking for information from other districts and what they've done, but I would like to argue that we're a pretty unique school district and it is going to take some brainstorming and I'm willing to help in any way I can. 
And I know that there are others that are willing to help as well. So um, we want to make sure that these economically disadvantaged or low-income kids or whatever um, are going to be bused to school. Because unfortunately, and I know that, you know, we want teachers to be parents and that's not the right way to look at it. But some of these kids will have no structure in their lives if they can't make it to school. So that's all I really wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you very much. Again, I find it interesting in particular with this person because now this person claims that they want to help. And yet they don't understand that the school board doesn't want their help. No one in the education business wants the help of any parent unless the parent agrees on everything that the school system says. Ladies and gentlemen, in the movie The Matrix, if you don't agree with The Matrix or you start to wake up, what happened in that movie? Agent Smith, the devil himself, would take over the person's body and kill them and then turn them into another Agent Smith. That's what happened time and time again. The moment that someone started to wake up, that's why when Neo was waking up in the movie The Matrix, he was being chased all over the place because they were trying to track him down to kill him so that he couldn't disrupt the Matrix and wake up more people. Now, I admire what she said when she said, I don't think that it's the school's job to be the parent. She's 100% right. But she's wrong when she said, these kids won't have any structure at all. In particular, the quote-unquote handicapped or the needy or, or whatever, if they don't have school and they don't have structure in school or they can't make it to school. Well, if they can't make it to school, then the parents will be thrown in jail for truancy. That's number one. Number two, they don't even know homeschooling is a thing. They don't even know how cheap and easy that is. They don't actually have to go to this school or any school for that matter. Number three, there isn't structure in the school system, in the modern American K-12 school system. It's quite the opposite. And if there is structure, as, as I've said before, and as you already know, that structure is degenerate. It's brainwashing. It's perversion. It's lies. It's deception. It's a lifetime of being a slave. That's the only structure that exists. So what structure would they be missing out on? None. Homeschooling is the only way forward. And I fully understand that, as you've heard, lots of people, I'm sure, even on the internet, just yell the word homeschool. I've provided all of the reasons on this show as to why. Why it's the only way forward. You can watch Rome burn from a hill out in the distance and not receive any of the flack or the blowback or the shrapnel or the smoke or any of it while you're homeschooling your children and your family. Because if they're old enough to read and write, they're old enough to teach themselves. This woman is close to waking up. She's close, but she still believes, again, a number of different matrix-related phenomenons that, that really don't exist. They only exist in the figment of their own imagination. Here's the next person. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the older gentleman I was talking about earlier. This is the guy who consistently is a staple of these meetings. He, he, he destroys them on their financial miscalculations and, and their wasteful spending and everything that they do. And that's exactly what he does here. So here we go. Mike Dittman, Hanover Township. Good evening, all. 
Last month, I suggested everyone needs to contact our state elected officials to see if they will push to make changes in this unconstitutional state funding formula. I hope many of you have made those contacts. However, this is a long-term solution. We know this isn't going to happen overnight. We need not just 10 or 12 people. We need 1,000, 2,000 people contacting our reps. But right now we have to address the current issue. The current issue that is Talawanda spends 2,000 a student more per year than similar districts. As was put in your fact-finding letter, the average in Ohio is 11,000-something. We're spending 13,500. So all this talk of doing more with less, you know, we need to spend less. There's other schools that do it. I don't know why we can't. So that means that the spending cuts we're looking at should be five to six million dollars this coming year, not over three years. Our superintendent stated in the Journal News on February 18th this year that Talawanda is in a financial crisis. Let's all understand that this board and this superintendent have created this crisis by not acting when the deficits were first known. We should have been making changes five years ago, not today. And I also see on the agenda where the board is now going to reward our superintendent with a five-year contract for helping create our financial crisis. And don't get me wrong. Our superintendent, as far as I know, does a, a fine job. So it doesn't matter who it is. The board should not be doing this. We have got this crisis that's come around, and it's your responsibility to get us out of it. And given five years, I don't think it's a good idea, folks. I think you might have remembered three years ago, I suggested when our grade card went from B to a C, that we shouldn't reward the superintendent with a three-year then. We should have went to one. I think it's time for you folks to really get a hold of these costs. And I understand everybody's concerns about change, but folks, we all need to change. Those of us have to manage our own budgets just like the school should. Thank you for serving and uh, look forward to uh, some more positive changes. Thank you. Okay, let's do this now. Pattern recognition. Just listen to the sound of the applause. Is it as loud as the first couple of people? No, but it's still there, isn't it? There's still a great deal of applause. Even the liberals are applauding this guy. Even the staunch leftists, the Marxists, the communists are even applauding this guy. The matrix is breaking. <laughs> it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. They, they, they don't know that they've done a total 180 on their entire frame of mind. A total 180. Now, again, Mike's a polite dude. Old school, I get it. I wouldn't compliment the superintendent and say he's doing a fine job. I wouldn't have said that. He's not doing a fine job. He's, the, he's one of the major reasons for the problems. 
But then again, you know, he's 100% right when he says, this is your problem. You made this problem. You have to fix it. Well, right. He's 100% right. And yes, he consistently brings up other schools as, as, of course, do the school board members themselves. They're com- consistently making comparisons back and forth. Well, this district does it, and this state over here does this, and we do this, and blah, blah, blah. All they have to do is take a local school district that's bigger than them, which almost everybody around here is, and line up all of their financials right next to what they currently have within their own district and say, okay, what are you spending on this and what are we spending on it? And you go through it line by line. Again, I'm not an accountant, but I know that. You go through it line by line and you say, oh, we're spending $500 more on that particular thing than you are. And you have more people involved. So, okay, we'll take away $500 and figure out another way to do it. Now, you can do all of that. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just putting chewing gum inside of a massive leak of a dam. It's not going to fix anything because the whole thing's breaking. I love it. (laughs) I can't get enough of this. I just, I love it. Here's the next person because the line continues. Hello. I'm Jenny Fisher, um, mother of two Kramer students, and I wanted to um, make a statement about the single-tier transportation and that I see this as two buckets um, of people, you know, people who are inside of the two-mile, people who are outside of the two-mile. And I challenge you to consider a third bucket, which is parents who are willing to show up to the hub. Um, So with my children's ages, if we go to single tier and banding, I'll have one child at Marshall, one at Kramer. So I would be responsible for taking one to Kramer. One would be bus. That means the bus is going to come to my house, the same bus stop my kids currently use. If I forego that and I walk my both children to the middle school, and keep in mind you have middle schoolers getting off and going into the school, so there should be spots available from the middle school to Kramer. Um, That is something that I do hope that you consider because I see logistically that walking from the city to the middle school is a straight shot. That sidewalk is safe, and I would feel comfortable on it with me and my children. Walking the sidewalks from my house to Kramer is not safe. I have done it before, and it never made me feel comfortable. That's one one point. The second point is in regards to the mental health discussions, I'm very concerned about mental health. I do not like the banding, but I want to remind everybody that in the December meeting, we cut art, music, and PE. My children will be devastated if that comes to play and the mental health implications of that far outweigh them not being together. I would like to keep my kids in the same school together. That is ideal, but I understand that there are constraints. Uh, Thank you for your time. Thank you. Now, don't adjust your radios, ladies and gentlemen. I'm serious. Don't adjust them. You actually heard less applause with that 
for rather obvious reasons, I think, which is that was such a personal matter and such a specific personal matter that the larger group, of course, isn't necessarily going to sympathize or empathize. Oh, you know, she has her own her own issues and her own peccadilloes, so to speak, with the uh, with the school district regarding transportation. Rightfully so. Apparently, there's going to be a bus hub or a, or a giant bus garage that is going to exist that, of course, the district paid for, and they're saying that they don't have any money. But they have this giant bus garage now for both storage and maintenance and whatever, and she, of course, is proposing that they drop their kids off at, at, this, at this bus hub. She also, of course, brought up a number of other ridiculous things, which had to do with, of course, her personal issues. And, and the loss of art, music, and, and physical education potentially at the elementary level, and oh my God, what are her children going to do? Those three things, of course, can be done in the home on a daily basis if you had a home with real parents in it. Can you not draw at home? Can you not play an instrument at home? Can you not do a push-up or a sit-up at home? Can you not watch YouTube on how to learn how to do these things? Of course you can. Of course. As I say in the Substack article that precedes this, these are individuals clamoring for government to raise their children. What will I do if government isn't around? Oh God, I'm, I'm going to be a fish out of water without government telling me what to do with my children, or even better for them, what am I going to do if government doesn't do everything for my children? That's the frame of mind that existed here. That was a person, again, at the end of their emotional rope. What am I going to do with my children regarding drawing? Honest to Christ, you can't, you can't make up how the matrix is breaking and slipping through their fingers. Because they, they need the matrix so desperately. They need it. Meanwhile, the homeschooling family is laughing their asses off listening to that woman. And they're kind people. They would probably want to pull her aside and say, Hi there. How you doing? You have three young children. I don't know if you're a stay-at-home mother or a single mother or whatever, or if you work or you just volunteer or what it is that you do, but there are homeschooling programs that exist where a teacher will be in front of them on a computer screen. All you have to do is learn about that system, abeka.com, and then you will understand how easy things can possibly be. See, as you've heard me say too, this boils down to a major problem that a lot of parents have, which is they don't want their children to stay home alone. My own brother and his wife leave their kids home alone, and their oldest son is in sixth grade, but they have a babysitter. That's a problem. Their own son doesn't want a babysitter. He goes, I'm not a baby. I don't want a babysitter. Even their daughter doesn't want it. But see, they're not paying attention to that. They're not giving responsibility to children, just like that parent is afraid to give any responsibility to their children and teach them to be adults. It's a massive, you know, it's a massive generational parental uh, flaw that has been made here in our society. Over decades, somewhere along the way, that completely cracked. Baby boomers had children, and many of those children 
of the baby boomers started to have children and they went in the opposite direction developmentally with their own children. It's really sad. It's really sad to watch. So here's the next person, because again, the line uh, is practically down the hallway and out the door. Hello, my name is Sandra Finley. I'm a retired teacher from uh, Talawana School District. Um, I have three grandchildren that are in the Talawana School District. I have one in high school. I have two that are at Marshall. One is in kindergarten this year and one is in first grade. So if we go to the tier, one will be out at Bogan and one will be at Marshall. My concern is safety. Um, early in the morning, sending them to the middle school and then the one going out to Bogan. Um, when we decided to build Bogan, the purpose was um, for the for community to have Bogan for the people in Somerville to be in a community school. Um, so now we're spreading, schools are spread out. We have Kramer, we have Marshall and Bogan and they're far apart. Now we're going to send a first grader out to Bogan that lives a couple miles from Marshall that early in the morning. What condition are these kids going to be in that are going so far out to Bogan ready for school? They're going to be tired. And then at the end of the day, um, would it not be better to have A5 buildings, put the kids on the same bus from the middle, the middle school and the elementary, drop the elementary off, and then take the middle school kids to the middle school. You know, it concerns me about the safety of these young kids, plus their mental health. They're going to be, a K and a first grader are going to be afraid of going that far. You know, we've lost our purpose. It was also referred to about at one time we had a fourth, fifth grade building. Yes, we did. And I taught at it, Stewart. Um, but the elementaries were not that far apart. We had two elementaries. And our goal was to make community. And that's why we built Bogan. But now we're taking that community apart by spreading these kids all in different areas. So I would like to see the community stay together, stay in their areas, not move kids so far apart from each other. Thank you for your time. Thank you. More applause on that one. Louder applause from a retired teacher, grandmother in the, in the area. Okay. I'm not going to take her side, and I'm not going to not take her side. I'm going to do my best to look at this objectively right down the middle. They have a point when it comes to putting elementary school students and middle school students together on the same bus at the same time. However, that's been done before and is done in school districts all across the United States. It's not a new thing. What changes, of course, is, again, whether or not you decide to drive your children to school and then pick them up, or grandchildren in this particular case, or you teach your children what to do and what not to do on the bus, and what people should be doing and not doing on the bus.
I remember being very young on these on these bus stops at these bus stops with much older children. I mean, we saw some jacked up stuff go on without a doubt. The simple fact that, you know, they would put all the middle school students together on the same bus and then we'd drive to the high school and then pick up the high school students and then we'd all go home. That happened every single day. But her concern is safety because of distance, that they don't want to travel that far by themselves. I mean, holy God. Look, look how weak we've come as a, become as a society. If a student doesn't want to get on a school bus and go to school because they're afraid, well, I mean, technically they have lots of reasons to be afraid, but distance shouldn't be one of them. That shouldn't be a problem. They should be afraid of, of the nonsense they're going to be learning and, and, and you know, having their brain filled uh, with, with, all, with all the goo that they have to listen to on a day-in and day-out basis from unknowledgeable people. That, that should fear them enough and, and scare them enough, rather. But uh, the proximity thing is, is odd for me. And again, I can't, I can't help but state this again. Homeschooling families are laughing at these scenarios that all of these people are bringing up. They're laughing their asses off. They don't know what to do with themselves. They're rolling on the ground laughing. But like I said earlier, they're probably compassionate people, and they understand that, they're, that these people are just stuck in the matrix. Here's the last point with what she said. Again, I find it funny that even a retired teacher comes out of the woodwork in this district to even sound off on how awful things are. That's classic, because the liberal snake is eating its own tail. But you've heard me write about this and, and say this before. This is the chess move. This is the Zutzfeng in chess. They, they have put themselves in a scenario on their side of the chess table, the school district, to where it does not matter what move they make. They've lost. They've already lost. What's interesting is, is that the pieces in the table itself are now turning. And it's confusing even the participants in the school district, i.e. the parents, who have been supporting the school district this entire time, that now they don't even know what piece they are. They don't even know where on the board they fit and what's going to happen when they make the moves that they make. That's why the liberal, take it, uh, the liberal snake rather is spinning around eating its own tail because what was once a one-dimensional game of chess is now 5D, and they have no idea what to do. No idea. That's why they're going after each other's throats all the time. Here's the next person who participates. Good evening. I'm David Amble, co-president of Tawanda Educators Association. Last Saturday, the Journal News had the headline, Tawanda Schools in Crisis. This might be an understatement. For the last five years, we've dealt with a difficult change in mascot, managing COVID. Community splitting failed levy campaign. Now proposals followed by more proposals to address it. With each crisis, there has been a common factor. Decrease in engagement from district administration with the staff and community about how to move forward. Tonight's proposal would radically change the nature of Tawanda. Neighborhood schools are built into the fabric of our district for 20 years since Bogan was opened as a neighborhood school replacement for Stewart. Tonight, the administration proposes changing this after two months of limited consultation. The only staff input that was sought was the bare minimum of the union leadership from whom they had no choice but to speak to. Tawanda is filled with advisory committees that can help analyze and develop a path forward in these difficult times. We have building level councils and teams. 
grade-level chairs, district-wide committees like SAP, Curriculum Council, Health Coordinating Council, Equity. Each of these committees has expertise needed for any consideration of a new district arrangement. We have an amazing, talented staff whose input has not been sought thus far or seemingly desired in this process. Input from parent groups like PTGs and community groups are also essential. Rather than consult, we have developed a new plan after only two months, such as proposing the district's most radical cuts in a generation. TEA sees value in our unique neighborhood schools, and the administration does seem to point this out when they talk about that with the grade band, students will experience the flavor of each school. The flavor is not the buildings. It is the staff who work in those buildings, the culture they have created and developed. This plan will end those cultures, and if implemented next year, leaves no time for future staffs to even meet and plan. Our contract is followed. The transfer process alone will likely consume several months. We are willing to work together to consider the best financial solutions to move forward as a district, and we know that may mean change. Tonight, we ask the board to slow down and ask the administration to broadly consult and plan. Let's review all the cuts and proposals and take time to develop a new and better comprehensive plan that involves all stakeholders. We have the time to do this right. The money doesn't end tomorrow. And this doesn't mean we can't give parents relief from athletic fees. Through attrition and strategic transfers of staff, we can reduce the athletic fees as proposed and still have this time. The Journal News is right. We are in crisis. Let's not compound that through hasty changes that will irrevocably change the district seconds. forever. Let's take the time to study and collaboratively work together to plan for our future and the future of the community. Thank you. There's so many things wrong with this. I could almost spend the entire rest of the episode, and I don't know how long this is going to last. My apologies, but I could spend almost all of it just rehashing what that idiot just said. And here's the problem. Now the unions are involved. They, of course, have to come up to the microphone and give their two cents. They don't have much of a choice. It's what they do. He uses endless words that I cannot stand. I can't stand them. Community and committee being two of them. Both, of course, the root word is commune. I don't like any of that. Not at all. The homeschooling family, again, is, is laughing. This guy wants more committees. He wants more communication, commune, commune, commune. He wants more of these things to where people agree on the same thing to then do what? Prop up the matrix even longer. That's all that it would do. It would just prop up the illusion that they've all created for themselves that they believe has to exist. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. The acronyms that he was ripping off. We have, the, we have this committee. We have that committee. We have this group over here. We have that group over there. None of that matters. Homeschooling families and their children are smarter than you because they don't have to deal with all of this bullshit, let alone waste their time with it at all. When you free the mind of the ability to finish a particular thing, finish it to completion, you will find that the mind will always have something else that it wants to do. But these individuals, again, consume themselves with so much that they have no idea that if they just stepped away from it permanently and, and, and looked at everything from a 40,000-foot view, they would see things crystal clear. 
but they can't do that because they're too deep in the matrix. It's over their head. I mean, they're not neck deep to where even their head can see outside of the matrix. They need it. it they need it to exist in teachers' unions, most certainly. Because if teachers leave the union, the unions don't exist anymore. If teachers stopped paying into unions, they, they would cease to exist. I'm shocked teachers pay into unions because what has that guy said that's any different than what anybody else has said? Nothing. He suggested the exact same stuff. But it's not going to matter. And you heard him say this. This has to be said yet again. We made it through COVID. We, we managed COVID the best we could. There is no COVID. There was only a biological weapon that existed back in 2019, 2020, and then you injected yourselves with it in 2021. And every time after that, that is the thread that runs through this entire house of cards that is invisible to them. They don't understand that that thread is being pulled on a daily basis, a little at a time, and that's going to make everything crumble to the ground. That's the constant, and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. It's, a, it's amazing. I got to tell you, from a philosophical standpoint, what a time to be alive. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, holy, holy God. This is, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Only by the grace of God are we not in the matrix anymore. It's beautiful. But it's horrific because we still have to see these people just squander about and not know what they're doing, not knowing that the game is already over. It's incredible. Here's the next person because the line continues again. Hi, my name is Pam Hodgson. I have three kids at three different buildings in the district. Um, I am here to speak about um, the administrator contracts that are coming up again today. Um, you know, I hear these phrases like leave no stone unturned. We're all in this together. And I am asking, have there been any changes made to the contracts or are they remaining the same. Um, my understanding is that administrators get 100% insurance coverage. Teachers don't get that. Um, you know, we can see that there's not support from the community for um, switching schools. The cuts need to come from somewhere. And I ask if you have considered that. Um, I think that's a reasonable request. Money needs to come from lots of different places. Um, for us to get through this. Um, in regards to talking about kids' mental health, if they change schools, I'm really concerned about the mental health of high schoolers. If we cut sports activities, my boys will be devastated. And so we need to start making cuts now where we can before it's too late before these contracts are approved, in my opinion. Um, I will say I, I wouldn't necessarily take off the table the redistricting of schools. I do hope you guys continue to investigate that, even though it's not what I want for my child and for these teachers that I love. 
Um, but I, I really want you guys to consider the admin contracts and, um, you know, keep digging into things that can be done before we take away specials, gifted, after-school activities. Sweet pickle Jesus. You heard her. You heard it. She started to cry at the threat of the district removing her precious bread and circus activities for her children. Oh God, what will you do without basketball? Oh God, what will you do without an extra assistant coach on the team? I'd hate to find out. <laughs> Honestly, what is happening? What is happening? I, I, I would hate to find out what will happen when one of her sons has a girlfriend who breaks up with them. Are they going to hang themselves? Are they going to throw themselves off of a bridge? Walk into uh, oncoming traffic? I mean, what, what, honest to Christ? What, what is happening? I hate to think what will happen if they lose sports. Oh, no. I, I, again, they're not going to make it. Her kids aren't going to make it in life if, if they don't have sports around. She just she just laid it out for everybody. I mean, uh, good for her for bringing up the salaries at the beginning. I mean, bravo, but honest to God. Y you blew up your whole message with, with your dependence on, on bread and circus nonsense. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is why the law and philosophy are never taught in American K-12 schools. Because students would start to recognize that the bread and circus is, is nonsense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Her children might be able to bounce a basketball or play a particular sport or throw, you know, a laser beam from third base to first base. But if they can't read and they don't know who controls them, which, of course, the entire education system controls them, then they're doomed. They're just doomed. Again, bravo on bringing up the salaries and not cutting administrative salaries and cutting insurance costs. Excellent. But you wasted it. She wasted it all with the with the with being brought to tears by the by the you know potential removal for bread and circus. I mean, honest to shit. What are we gonna do without after school activities? Oh God! Oh God! You're you're hearing the the wails and the moans of the people in the Matrix. That's what that is demonstrating. That's really the point that I'm trying to get across here, and the varying degrees of, of the severity in which these people depend on the matrix. And they depend on the matrix not just for themselves, but for their children. That's generational abuse. It's amazing. I find it incredible. I will always find it incredible. Here's the next person. I'm not sure how many more people there are, um, at least maybe like five, but these are fascinating because every single person is bringing their own idiosyncrasies to, to bear here. And they're all just, again, bouncing around inside of the matrix like a pinball in a pinball machine. It's incredible. Here's the next person. My name is Teresa Sutter. I have two kids attending Bogan, one in the middle school and one in the high school. Um, I would like to start by saying 
I am not fundamentally opposed on a theoretical level to the banding of schools. I can see um, a lot of positives to it. Um, as someone who was previously at Kramer, and this is our first year at Bogan, um, I feel like I get a little bit of a firsthand seat to the division in our community between the in-town and, and the rural schools and, and communities. And I, I feel that um, one of the positives would of, of having everyone come together, of having everyone be at all of the different schools, could be a potential healing factor in our community, which I feel is really needed. That being said, I think that there are so many logistical issues that have to be considered, that this is not something that can be rushed. And I would like to speak to two of those logistical issues tonight. Um, one of them may seem fairly minor, um, but we all know that um, Talawanda, as every district everywhere, has really been struggling to um, be staffed with substitute teachers. Um, I recently, I'm a, I'm a fairly recent sub in the Talawanda district, and um, we know that there have been times where school was canceled because we were not able to have sufficient subs. A lot of the substitutes in our district are parents of children in our district. And if all of the schools are starting at the same time, but a substitute is supposed to be there, you know, 30, 40 minutes early, um, that's going to make it impossible for a lot of our, our current subs who are parents to continue substituting. Um, so I think that that's something that just needs to, to be uh, people need to be aware of and looked into. Um, but if it's a problem for substitutes, I imagine that that's also going to be a problem for our teachers and our staff who are parents of students. If you work at one school and you're, and you have to get your child to another school and there's not busing and you have to be there or there is busing, it isn't, but it, it, when everything starts at the same time, it's going to be logistically really difficult for our staff who are parents. The other issue that I would like to um, speak about, um, I realize that the tier, the one tier busing is happening. Um, my issue is slightly different, um, specifically because of the banding. And I want to say um, there have been times when my children um, could not ride the bus for emotional or behavioral issues. I've got a, a squirrely little ADHD son who was very emotional. And, and there were times that we had the luxury of being able to drive him instead of having to put him on the bus. Um, there, earlier this year, um, at the beginning of the year, my middle schooler and high schooler came home. Ten upset. seconds. Oh, my high schooler was in tears um, because of the lewd comments and, and pornographic images and horrible music that were being played by the eighth graders on the bus. We had the option to choose not to take them on the bus until that was resolved. Thank you very much. We're taking away the option of parents by forcing them to put their kids on the bus, not allowing because of the time. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Your time's Just up. don't take away the choices. Okay, of the thank you. I'm so sorry. sorry about that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that one was a doozy. That was a doozy. What she mentioned, she brought up some things, again, that, are, that haven't been brought up yet, but expose so much. You're talking about a mother with children in the school district who is also a substitute. Now, 
I mean no disrespect here, but I don't know the financial situations of the people who are substitute teachers. I don't know if they're single mothers, single fathers, single parents, whatever it is. I don't know if they're doing it to, again, put food on the table or, or make ends meet or whatever it may be. I find it, however, with all of that aside for a minute, I find it very interesting that you have a female substitute teacher who is a mother of children in the matrix, and she works in the matrix with her children, not knowing that she could homeschool her children at home away from the matrix. And then, on top of that, again, you, 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 can't, you can't have a better definition of somebody stuck in the matrix. You can't. You can't. That could have been the best one yet. She's complaining about pornographic images and lewd music on the bus by middle school students around her children. And she's saying, please don't take away the, the parents' right to choose what bus they are on or what school they go to to be picked up or dropped off or, or whatever it is. Don't take away, she says. She tells government, government, don't take away my choice to do X, Y, and Z with my children. She has no idea that government never had the choice. Government doesn't have the choice. The parent has the choice. She has the choice to not expose her children to all of that degeneracy. She has the right and responsibility to do that, and the role as the mother and the parent to do that. That's her job. But you're seeing her wail about inside of the Matrix again and beg the Matrix school board, i.e., government to give her what she wants when she could just take it in an instant for herself any time she wants. It's depressing. I mean, it, it really is. It's sad. It's sad to be this awake and see these people who are this asleep. Which brings me to this next person. This next person, ladies and gentlemen, that you're going to hear is a staple of these meetings. Also, she is a rapid emailer to countless people in the district. She emails everybody constantly. She is also literally the only person, only person wearing a mask that I can tell anyway. There might be one other person, but I think there's only, I think it's only her who is, who again, wearing a mask. This is the person who went COVID crazy all in back during the times when that was a thing and everybody was losing their minds. She's still wearing a mask when she speaks. Give this crazy person a listen. My name is Amy Shaman. I reside in the city of Oxford, have a child at Kramer. I'm speaking tonight on behalf of my entire family. We appreciate the planning that has been going on to prepare for the future emergency. Your work, however, needs to be and continue to be based on research and facts, not guesses and gut reactions, and using creativity along with research. The decisions you are making have huge consequences for our schools, students, teachers, admin, and community at large, as we've heard tonight. To be specific on one element of the plan changes, the consequences for removing busing to the high school for school itself. Dr. Thoreau said last time the votes that happened in December were 
possible for change, and this is one I'm asking you to change. Taking transportation and access away from students, especially our impoverished and socioeconomically at-risk students, has immense consequences. So I ask each of you, what are the numbers of high school students who do not have their own transportation to school after the buses are removed? How many of them live in safe walking distance? Not walking up 27 without sidewalks or safe shoulders from Island Lake or down 27 from the Oxford Trailer Park. How many students without access to transportation live in Riley, Collinsville, Milford Township, Somerville, Hanover Township, etc.? How many parents with two jobs and one or two cars cannot stop working to give transportation to a child? How many families have parents who don't drive? I know some. Once you know the numbers, ask yourself, how many students are you okay with dropping out because they don't have access to transportation? How many? 100? 50? 30? 15? Should I keep going? For each student who drops out because of a decision you make, how many is okay? How many generations of poverty are we going to contribute to because of money? Yes, you have difficult choices in front of you. So many families, especially our young families, are being asked to make significant sacrifices to keep programs at the high school. So many difficult choices are being made to keep some support for sports. Sports and extracurriculars are so very important for so many reasons. But a high school diploma and education is more important. And it seems to me we're at that choice. This district had had pay to play for many years. An organization formed and fundraised to help kids whose families couldn't afford to pay for play. This can happen again. Our high school must have students who can get to school to learn. We don't offer full high school remotely. They need to be here in this building. Kids have to be able to be in school to graduate, to succeed in life, to benefit from the community that cares for them. So again, how many students are you willing to look in the face and say that for bus money, you're willing to have them drop out and not benefit from this education? Thank you. Thank you. How many are you willing to have drop out, drop out, and not benefit from this education? No one's benefiting, and what education are you providing? Not to mention, who would marry that? And I'm asking this seriously. I mean, I'm here speaking on behalf of my entire family because my husband is handcuffed to the radiator in the basement. And he's normally down there because that's where I keep him, and he's not wearing any clothes, and I put cigarette burns out on his body when he becomes a little obstinate from time to time, but he knows better and apologizes. I mean, who would marry that? That's a red flag, isn't it? <laughs> honest, to, honest to God. It seems like the world's largest red flag. What a, I mean, good Lord. Somebody sleeps next to that. And yes, if she's concerned that people are going to drop out because they can't drive or take their children, heaven forbid those families, those parents, those children get on the computer and look up homeschooling and break free from the matrix forever. It's cracking, it's slipping away. There's nothing they can do to stop this. That woman, Amy Shaman, has been a staunch supporter yet constant criticizer of the entire district in particular regarding the COVID stuff, which means she's schizophrenic. 
You heard me say it earlier, the thread that runs through this house of cards is the jabbed. As I say in the Substack article, I reference her briefly, uh, cognitive ability is not going to increase with time among the jabbed. She's unwell. I mean, you can hear, you can hear it in her tone. She's not well. I feel terrible for her husband if she's actually married to a man. I mean, good Lord. I really feel bad for him. If I were to meet this guy, which will never happen, I should say, run away. Run. Pack your bags and steal a car and just run. She's going to get you killed. She probably already has, but, you know, the cigarette burns enough. I mean, that's terrible. Allegedly. I kid, of course. I'm just joking. Uh, it, but, but, but again, <laughs> I digress here. You, you can hear the insanity of the people in the Matrix. That right there is proof. It's proof in a court of law. Your Honor, I would like to show you a clip and play an audio clip of somebody who is clearly clamoring for the Matrix. This is why the Matrix exists, and I'm trying to prove to the jury that the Matrix is a real thing. That right there is the clip you play. She's lost her mind. And yes, they're going to lose students because they can't, they can't go from point A to point B. So what? They will be free. And I love it. Here's the next person. Um, hi, my name is Jen Timmerman. I live in the Kramer district. I have a second and a fourth grader at Kramer and a seventh grader at TMS. Um, I'm here to address some concerns about the banding proposal. Um, and the first is a logistical nightmare that this will create for so many families. Many of us will end up with all of our elementary school children at different schools. If your children are two years apart or more, you will never have your children in the same elementary school, period if we're banded. Um, they will never be with their siblings. And there's been a lot said tonight about how this will foster relationships across the grade. And maybe that's true, but I subbed for Mrs. Rucker yesterday and there were 15 to 20 children who stopped in her room after school looking for her for a hug or a high five or a hello, which I graciously gave, but they weren't looking for me. They were looking for her. Um, these are kids who already had her. And if Mrs. Rucker, who teaches third grade, is their teacher the next year they will be gone and they will never see her again. And some of these children rely on those teachers every single day. It has happened in every class I have subbed for. Mrs. Cotto, Mrs. Tackett, it doesn't matter. They come looking for those teachers every day. My own children included stop and see their old teachers every day. Um, and so, again, I want to reiterate what Teresa said. You will lose substitute teachers. We will no longer be able to substitute. We're already in a sub-crisis. We love it. I love the kids. I appreciate the income. Uh, big picture, though, is you'll lose a lot of subs, I think, and that will be really detrimental. Um, I appreciate the fact that we have to make changes. I know that we're in a financial crisis, but please, let's take time. We can move to one-tier busing this year and save our $200,000 and then take a lot of time to see if grade banding would work. I am afraid if we make both of these decisions now, we can't undo them and we'll be stuck and it will be a huge nightmare that our town is not prepared for traffic-wise and emotion-wise and community-wise. Um, so I, I beg of you, please, please take time. Thank you. Thank you. It's getting better and better. 
You have another mother who has three children who substitute teaching, and her whole world is crumbling now. Her whole world is falling apart. She did, however, bring up something that's incredible, which has to do with the substitute teacher shortage. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. The excuses she used, though, regarding, well, what are we going to do about the relationship building? And my kids will never see their old teachers ever again. Who flippin' cares? Who cares? You're sending your children to these places for all the wrong reasons. This is not why you send them. You don't send them to go to their old teacher's classrooms and say hello on a daily basis. If that's why you're sending them, you're sending them for the wrong reasons. Again, you're seeing her clamor for the Matrix. She needs it. She has to have it. There's no other way around it. What will she do? It does not matter regarding the substitutes. The game is over. The jig is up. It's checkmate. You're still trying to move around the board, and it doesn't matter what you can do anymore. It's finished. What are we going to do about the town and the traffic? It's going to... It's going to damage the the traffic and the mental and emotional in the community. It's going to damage all of us. What will we do? No, it won't. It will damage the brainwashed who are stuck in the matrix while everybody else is laughing at you. The, The thing to keep in mind, too, is the vast majority, and I mean vast majority, of the parents and the students in the district are laughing at these people. They're laughing at them. Because they don't care. They don't care if their children have to go from one place to another. They don't care if their elementary school kids have to change from one building to the next every two years. They don't care. They don't care that they don't have to, you know, that their children don't have to sit in the lap of their old school teacher from two years before on a daily basis. And what will they do if they don't get that opportunity? They don't care. Which means not what it's not what's wrong with the majority, it's what's wrong with you. But the squeaky wheel gets the grease. As we know, it's the hysterical left that yells into a microphone, and they're the ones that need all the attention and want every, everybody to do everything for them. Again, they, uh, they don't know which way is up. They're trying to play 5D chess, and they don't even know how to grab a chess piece, let alone play the game, because the game is over. There's three more people who are going to speak. This guy, a black gentleman, hard left wing. You know, big round of applause at the end, but it's typical left wing stuff. So give him a listen. And again, I believe there's only two people after this guy. Here we go. But seeing only three people in line, I'll use my discretion and extend it and and let those three people um, address the board. You waited in line so long, I would would not not want to hear you. I also appreciate everybody who's come out uh, because it's very important that we take part in things like this. I'm glad the proposal was put forth and all of you have come to have things to say about it. That's an extremely important part of the process. So we'll do uh, you three, three minutes each. Thank you. 
Thank you. <clears throat> um, my name is Kelvin Corbin. I live in Oxford, Ohio. I currently have two students in the Talawana School District. I hope to have three next year. Um, and I'm going to focus on how the current proposal is going to impact respect, equity, and inclusivity, uh, since those were stated as goals in the presentation from a transportation standpoint. Um, there are communities in the school district that lack the privilege of vehicular transportation, the time to get their kids to school, or even the financial means to find an alternative. For some families, the children get themselves ready and walk to school. And if they live within two miles of Bogan or Marshall especially, the infrastructure is not in place to ensure safe walking along those roads for those kindergartners through third grade students. So already, there's not equitable access to the schools themselves. On a personal note, I have serious concerns putting my five to nine-year-old children on the same bus with teenagers for up to 90 minutes. I've already heard about inc incidents of racism on the bus from teenagers impacting the children of my friends. And, uh, and my kids are not in a position to deal with students that much older when similar issues take place. I already know that the district is not in a position to handle these incidents because in one particular itch, uh, case, when racist bullying was reported to district leadership, the response was essentially, I'm sorry that this happened. I have people close to me that are black as well, with no meaningful steps taken. The lack of inclusivity due to bullying goes beyond race. It involves gender, sexual orientation, nationality, socioeconomic status, the neurodiverse, and other marginalized groups. For all of these, increasing the age range and the time spent on the given bus route was only going to increase the severity of this bullying for children that are much younger and more vulnerable. And I simply don't have faith that the district will be better equipped to handle these situations than they have in the past. And regardless of what's been said tonight, we're looking at reduced student access to mental health professionals going forward. So good luck finding the resources to cope if you're dealing with lasting emotional or psychological trauma. For us, for us as a family, it's not even as simple as driving our kids to school instead. Under this proposal, my kindergartner, second grader, and fourth grader will be attending three different schools that are miles away from each other. And since they started around the same time, dropping them off becomes impossible. So as it stands, this plan makes even getting in the door an undue burden for several families. Um, I find it ironic that the proposal uses language of high-quality staff and a respectful environment. This proposal has not yet been vetted by the primary stakeholders, the parents, the students, nor the staff. These groups have questions uh, that have not been answered or even addressed yet. And if... If, they believe, if you believe strongly enough that this is the right way to go forward, then we need to be open and honest about the details. A respectful environment would involve collaboration with this high-quality staff for problem-solving. They know this environment better than anyone else and deserve to have a voice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's just tiresome at this point. I, I, I really don't know what else to say. Trauma. You know, he's using the word trauma. We're, we're going to be traumatized. They, they don't know how to get to school, and I don't know if I'm going to send my kid to school here if, if all this racism and bullying just keeps happening. Sticks and stones, bro. Sticks and stones, deal with it. It's part of growing up. It's what happens. It happens to all of us, regardless of skin color. Get over it. Teach your children to be tough. Teach them to stand up for themselves. Teach them to problem solve. Teach them these things. This is how this is how we move forward as a society and as 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 humans this is what happens but no these people want government to fix everything I yeah you know, I I don't have anything to add he basically just sort of played the race card and and wrapped everything up uh with what everybody else has been complaining about the entire time and and there you go So there you go there's that okay two more people a female and a male here we go Hi, my name is Sarah Meany. I have a, a second and a fourth grader at Kramer. Um, I live in town. 
Um, I, I want to reiterate, I think what I've heard a lot is that we, we just need to take a pause uh, before we blow everything up. Um, so, you know, taking, taking busing, maybe that's the step that we take next year. Again, I've heard some really great reasons, maybe why we shouldn't, but I'm also an administrator and I understand that like money is real and budgets exist and there's only so much that comes in and we can't spend more than that. Um, so I understand the position that you're in. Um, it, it feels like we are doing a lot of hating on this plan and fighting amongst each other when I really see that we have a, we have a state government that's not supporting us and that's where we can spend more of our energy as a community. Um, so when I, when I think of how to move forward, um, right, we're, we kind of, we didn't pass a levy in November and now we're in this place where it's like, okay, it's the dooms, doomsday planning here for the next three years. Um, I see opportunities for us to lobby our state legislators. Um, I also see an opportunity to put the levy again on the ballot. Um, I'll speak from my own perspective that I didn't think it wasn't going to pass. I'm new to the community as a as a parent of a school age kid. So I see these things, I vote yes. Um, I didn't know that I needed to, to rally as hard behind it. And I think now that we're all sitting in this room, realizing what the reality is of the, of the levy not passing, um, that, that there's an opportunity for that. But if we go to banding, can we ever put the toothpaste back in the tube? Um, so I, I, I see that we can maybe make some tricky adjustments for next year. We have four teachers that sounds like retiring. Is there a temporary plan in place to, to still have those savings um, without having to switch everything? And then if we get our levies passed, we get the funding from the state, are we gonna go back to community schools? So um, I just hope that we can have steward fiscal responsibility from the school. Uh, we maybe pass a levy that isn't as strong as the one that was in November, but it's still on to us and we have state support that we need. Thank you. Thank you very much. So she wants the levy back on the ballot because she thinks it has a chance of passing as a result of all of this yet again. No, no, that's not going to happen. It will fail again and in a more miserable and embarrassing fashion than you can possibly imagine. Having your little complaint sessions inside of the Matrix as you're wailing about, because again, this is what hell sounds like. All these people coming up to the microphone complaining and whining. This is, this is what hell sounds like. This is the soundtrack in hell. That's not going to fix anything. Putting it back on the ballot won't pass it. That's not going to happen. It just won't. Again, uh, you know, these, these people that claim to come up to the microphone and, and speak for the masses is really embarrassing. It really is. I'm going to play this last guy, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Here we go. I'm Tim Kuykendall. Uh, I also have a second grader and a fourth grader at Kramer Elementary. Um, let me start off by saying I'm sorry that, that you've been put in the position to uh, this impossible position of trying to make such significant budget cuts. Um, I appreciate the board's willingness to consider all the options to keep Talawanda schools as strong as possible. I'm here tonight to ask you to consider cost-saving alternatives other than the grade banding proposal. Uh, in my view, grade banding will create significant challenges for our elementary school children, their families, and teachers. I don't believe the benefits outweigh the drawbacks of such a plan. Um, my family also lives within two miles of the school that my children currently attend. And after we saw the levy fail, uh, we kind of came together as a neighborhood and started talking about what, what, um, what transportation would look like next year and how we could help each other out. 
Um, if the grade banding proposal became a reality, we'd have our children split among three different schools and, and doing that kind of neighborhood help would uh, ultimately not be feasible. Um, that's for that I was saying. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, that was pretty weak. Either way, let me wrap this up. None of those people are taking into consideration, of course, uh, a, a different angle in a, in a bigger picture, which is that the school board has purposely proposed what they've proposed, and I might add, nationwide, school boards propose things to get a rile or a rise out of the public, to, to measure their emotional investment in the district. That's why they do it. They push their buttons. They intentionally push their buttons. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's on purpose. This, it's just a perfect example, I think, as to how a school board in a school district can manipulate the public so easily and the public just believes it. They just buy it. Um, again, in summary, let me mention this just, just very quickly before I, again, before I wrap up here. Qualitative reasoning and analysis is one of my things. I love it. Uh, it came naturally to me, and then I was formally trained in it. I love it. Here are some of the words that you heard throughout the, all of those individuals with regularity. Okay, You heard the word committee, relationships, association, busing, personal issues, sports-related things, the word afraid. You heard the word substitutes, if I didn't already say that, uh, emotions, trauma, mental health, and community. Those were the words that were spoken the most frequently. You didn't hear academic success. You didn't hear the word homeschooling, not that you would in this brainwashed environment. You didn't hear, you didn't hear those things. You didn't hear even, I mean, you heard some people provide what they thought were solutions, but they weren't. Jokes on them. They were just solutions that already exist inside the already existing matrix. Again, these people are trapped. They're trapped. They will never make it out. They'll never make it out. They'll never see the larger picture. They'll never break free. In fact, I take that back. I don't want to use the word never. They're all jabbed, I assume. So, I mean, God only knows how, how long they have. But um, I assume not long. In any case, they have an opportunity to wake up, and it's happening now, but you're just seeing a small percentage of them. And it is a small percentage. Just wail about, scream, shout, yell, cry, whine, moan, equitable and diverse. And what are we going to do? Mental health, mental health, mental health. You're seeing them all just flop around inside the matrix because they need it. They think they need it anyway. And they don't. No one needs it. A town and a city can exist without brick-and-mortar schools. It can happen. It's happened previously in our own civilization. And things were better back then than they are now. We can get back to that. But it doesn't have to be a we thing. It can be an I thing. It can be an individual thing. Again, the homeschooling parents are laughing their tails off. They're watching all of this and saying, I don't have to deal with any of that. 
And the excuse, of course, or the, the rationalization or the blame or, or whatever name calling would, would, you know, that would ensue would be a K-12 brick and mortar attendee of, of the school system would look at the homeschooling family and say, well, we don't have those resources. You're privileged and that's not equitable and blah, blah, blah. That's what they would say back. But the homeschooling family would look back at them and say, you're incorrect. You're incorrect, and here's why. When the emotional part of the brain takes over, it becomes next to impossible for a person to hear anything clearly, see anything clearly, and then behave accordingly. They just can't. And that's, again, what you're hearing in not only this school board meeting, but ladies and gentlemen, mark my words, the blueprint has now been written. This episode, let this episode be the blueprint for what you are going to hear in all these meetings going forward, specifically regarding the financial collapse of the K-12 American school, public school matrix. This is it. This is another step in that matrix completely falling apart because it's falling apart. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So with all of that said, I'll catch you on Wednesday. I've got lots of updates, lots of other things to bring to bear, not regarding this, but there you go. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope it was educational. But this right here, again, it's falling apart. I think it's beautiful. Catch you Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.